And welcome to Trek This Out, a Star Trek podcast. Uh, today, uh, I, Lindsay, am joined by the ever-lovely Andrea. Hello. The occasionally lovely, lovely Suki. I'm always lovely. How dare you. Debatable. Um, the <laughs> ever-glorious Sarah. Hello. So, uh, if you've ever listened to one of our other podcasts or from uh, the fabulous sister podcast to this one, uh, the Davis Flyer Logs, Sarah is part of that fantastic crew so it's always lovely to have one of them along and this week we have a special guest star who I'm sure is lovely even though I don't know it yet um Adam hello Adam hello thank you very much for having me thank you for joining us this is always delightful to have new voices come in and join the conversation um so first things first does anybody have any news no, that's what I thought. Nothing in the world's going on. It's all very boring. Um, maybe worth noting that Paramount Plus, I believe, launches tomorrow. This week. Yes. I didn't actually know the date. I didn't realise it was so soon. No, neither did I. But apparently they're doing some kind of blue carpet thing in London today or tomorrow. Uh, Andrea? There's been a complete and utter kind of lack of fanfare other than um, they've had like a discovery set and things in London, I think, that you could visit. Um <laughs> It, it seems to have been very poorly advertised, particularly as I'm like consciously looking for it and still haven't really seen it. Let's put it this way. I haven't subscribed yet. Sarah. Yeah, it's almost like they're just a little bit embarrassed, uh, <laughs> just trying to hope that they can quietly sneak in and we won't notice that it's, you know, six months too late. And they were six months. Yeah, it's a few. I'm pretty sure Discovery should have been on it more than six months ago now. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's June, isn't it? Oh, time flies, Lindsay, time flies. And they and they releasing all the episodes in one go, or are they doing a weekly thing? I think it's the first three we're getting, and then weekly thereafter. I could be wrong. I think that's what I heard. Um, which is a shame, because, you know, we might have been able to watch at least the last couple, like, you know, legally, and... Uh, in an appropriate time of frame. I remember. Never mind. It's a thing that's happening. Um, does anybody have any other news that is worth shouting about? No? Okay. Well, because I forgot to do this at the start, because normally I would do that, and now we're in a strange order. Adam, tell us a little about yourself and your Star Trek story so far. Oh, goodness. Do you have about an hour? <laughs> um, for me, uh, Star Trek, it's just something that has just always been a part of my life from as early as I can remember. Star Trek has been there. Uh, my parents bought me season one of TNG, you know, quite arguably the, I think everybody calls it the best season of TNG. I don't think there's any debate about that. Um, but I had them on VHS um, and watched them relentlessly on until I was about six years old and started to discover that there was more to buy and anytime it was a birthday or Christmas we'll get Adam Star Trek so yeah as as long as I've been here it's pretty much just been Star Trek for me as well. Which is always exciting now I understand that the lovely Sarah introduced you to our little podcasting world um, how do you know Sarah? Sarah and I know each other through you may or may not have heard of him but Sean Ferrick have we all heard of Sean Ferrick? Yes. Yeah, he's he's somewhat he's somewhat of a Z, the like a Z list track celebrity. <laughs> he's going to kill me for that one, uh, but yeah, no, we met through Sean, 
and we've uh, already had uh, we met at Sean's place and we had a a relatively is heavy the right term a heavy Saturday night is that what you would call it Sarah I think we were there, there there was dancing there was yeah. dancing. <laughs> all right have you got the foul tales because I'll be promised to some dirty oh no that's a, that's a different night all together so so I know Albie through uh, Sean Ferrick and I know Adam through Sean Ferrick and Adam knows Albie but the four of us have not been in the same place at the same time yet so that yes. is that will that that's will indeed be an evening is there enough alcohol for all four of you to be in the same place? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just questioning. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's a lot of potential, sir. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of potential there. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us. Like we said, um, it is a delight to have you here, um, and I am certain that you will have all sorts of interesting things to say. Um, so, without further ado, here is the trailer for. Star Trek Strange New World Season 1 Episode 7 The Serene Squall We picked up a distress signal on a nearby asteroid field. Could the colonists have the capacity to send one, even without their ships? It's possible, but I've also heard of pirates setting ambushes by cloning ship signals. Exactly what I told the captain. And I reminded Mr. Spock that regulations still strongly suggest that we investigate any distress signal. Yellow alert. Erica, take us closer, please. How close do you want to get? First date or third date? Blind date. Copy. Proceeding with caution, sir. signal is growing stronger, but I have yet to detect a vessel of any kind. Red alert, full stop. Looks like a net. Except, you know, made of lasers. It's formed by multiple asteroids equipped with high-energy electromagnetic reflectors. Recommend we do not cross one of the beams. What happens if we do? At best, it will shut down the ship. And at worst? Kaboom? Indeed. Well, there we go. So uh, how we do this, Adam, is I impose a slightly arbitrary limit as to how much uh, time and or words I will give you to give me your first impressions of this episode. Now, the time limit slash word count has only come into play because Suki is not very good at this anymore. He used to be very good. Now he's not very good. Um, So... Let's give you some examples. Andrea, can you tell me in approximately 10 words how you feel about this episode? Um, it was fun. It was camp. It was slightly ridiculous, but I loved it. Yeah, I'd go the same. It was just very silly. But I don't know if it was silly enough to be kind of threshold, move along home status of silliness. I don't know. We'll wait and see. So, so a lot of silly going on. Uh, Suki, your thoughts? Yes, it was a very fun episode, uh, and Sunday got a bit serious towards the end between to Pring and Spock. But other than that, really, really fun, really fun. Well, Adam, what are your feelings? I was living for this episode. I think that about sums it for me. We had Sick. camp. Yeah, it was camp. It was great. Excellent. 
So comically enough, given that I will die on a hill to say that Threshold is not a bad episode if you take out all the chat about evolution, um, I really struggled with this. <laughs> um, I yeah, I I I had very there were bits that I loved and bits that I struggled with. So no doubt we shall uh, discover a little bit more about some of those. Sarah has thoughts. Sarah, no, well I liked it more the first time I watched it, and normally when I rewatch it. I prefer the second time because you're not so like just wanting to know what the plot is, but I definitely enjoyed it more the first time. Okay, so Kate also has thoughts. I feel no, like we're well, just we're naturally tumbling I, into, into our no, detailed well, analysis. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> going into it. No, but the thing was right because uh, I also I have access to our Twitter feed and uh, the DMs that come through. Uh, there's a couple of people that sport it for me straight away. So that's before I even watch the episode, but. First, episode, first time I watched it, it was okay. Second time, I just really enjoyed it because I knew all the plots and turn, twists and turns and stuff like that. Yeah, so, yeah, it's please don't spoil me. Send me DMs straight away. <laughs> please don't. I think we, we do have a slight issue at the moment because there isn't an air, official airtime in the UK. People are just sending us stuff as soon as they've seen it. And while we are very, very excited to, to hear all about it, uh, yeah, give us a few hours to watch it ourselves. If you wouldn't mind, that would be amazing. Um, okay, so let us dig into some of the things that may or may not have frustrated us. Uh, so, um, we oh, where did we open this week? I'm losing track of my own notes. Andrea has thoughts about where we opened. Andrea, I, I feel like we should just get it out of the way and talk about the um, the point eared half sibling in the room because I feel like that's like that's pretty much dominating most discourse online. Um, and I, don't I don't know who I, you mean. I don't know. Has, my, has Michael had some kind of ear transplant or something? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just think, like, I think part of us was like, when you had all that, yeah, what about the cyborg? What about the cyborg? It's like, the cyborg's back. Um, but also, I think a lot of people have gone off to watch Star Trek V this week. Um, and Star Trek V is a controversial entry in the franchise. Where we can say that. Um, I can think of somebody who's desperate to defend Star Trek V. It isn't here this week. But yeah, I've got mixed feelings about Star Trek V. I think it's fair to say. But but yeah, um, I didn't see that coming at all. I, I thought of all of the characters they were going to bring back in Strange New Worlds or reference or I didn't see Cybot coming, I'm going to be honest. Sarah? Yeah, Steve actually ran and got his notebook from like three weeks ago. <laughs> when look, see, I said, I said. <laughs> He's very excited. <laughs> I, I'm, with, I'm with Steve on this one. I was very excited uh, when I saw... Uh, Cyborg at the end. It was one of those oh my god moments when Spock made reference to the you know the Vulcan that had ditched logic. I went oh my god, is this Cyborg? And and then when we saw the quick glimpse of it. But what I love most about it is, is as Andrea says, five is a controversial one uh, in the lineup, um, and it could definitely do with some uh, changes. <laughs> well, no, not changes, but improvements. And I think Strange Worlds are just going to improve upon it. I think they'll make it a better film. Um, and I think it'll just complement it perfectly. And I think people who maybe feel a bit indifferent towards it at the minute could potentially then end up loving it because of something they do with the character now. So Steve came on to one of our, my other podcasts, which is Take Your Sweet, Take Your Seats, a while back. Now that, that was on the Proctoroo feed and that 
prog- that feed is now gone. Therefore, all the episodes have also gone. But I'm pretty sure I can got, might have access to that one episode that he reviewed with us. Uh, so if I can agree with John, uh, we, I can get that episode and hopefully put it onto our own um, release releases like and you'll be able to see how very very happy steve was when he came on to review <laughs> star trek fight but the, going back to the spoiler thing now i did not know cyborg was going to be in this until i mean i hadn't even seen the episode or anything until somebody sent me a dm now with dms and stuff they usually come up with your notifications and the first line or whatever it is and the first thing he said cyborg they brought cyborg back so immediately the whole episode was sort of uh, sport for me. Now, but to be honest, when I did watch it, uh, I knew that he was coming, but because he was right at the end, it didn't sport my enjoyment. I wasn't looking out for it. I wasn't thinking this. Uh, the highlight really was, uh, uh, what's her name? Captain Angel. Dr. Aspen stroke Captain Angel. And they were brilliant. Because uh, you did not know that they were a... Uh, a, a, a basically a bad person. They were the, the, they were the uh, the uh, what the antagonist in the, the whole thing because the way they were portraying themselves, you looked and there was some so sympathetic and you're thinking, oh, she's, they're looking out for the uh, the colonists. They're they're really fearing for everything. The sympathy was always with the the character there. And then when they suddenly turned and pulled the two guns onto Spock and Chapel, and you think. Oh, everything I've had for the last half hour has just gone out the window. And I just thought the portrayal there up until that point was brilliant. Afterwards, they just went up a notch slightly. I think they were a bit, maybe a bit OTT. But it was within, if they're a, a, a captain, uh, a bad guy, they, they would have just a bit too much, maybe. But... I was okay with the portrayal after they were revealed as the bad guy. I have to completely agree. Uh, I did not see that flip coming at all. Uh, I was actually talking to a colleague about the episode the day after, uh, and he he said, "Oh, I, I knew all along from you know from the second they arrived on set." And I thought, "I well, I must have been clearly missing something because I did not see it coming at all." Yeah, no, same here. I it was it was a complete surprise. It's and obviously there are little signs when you watch it back, like you know, clever little camera shots and things like that, where you're like, oh, actually, you know, I was just tired last time I saw it, I didn't notice it. But I agree with you also, Suki, in that uh, for me, uh, she was they were sorry, almost bordering on Bond villain. It all got a bit much and the performance up until then had actually been really subtle and and I think they say like the the best liars are ones who actually stick really close to the truth so I think her exchanges their exchanges with um Spock were truthful and honest in what what they were saying about kind of the Vulcan and humanity and and being something different and and you know not not you know not just following the rhetoric so uh, because of that, that's what made it all so much more believable and so much more startling when there was that flip. I think I think that's always interesting. And you, you, there is a fine line between wanting to feel like you're in on the joke or in on the, the secrets 
and wanting to be surprised because you don't want things to come so far out of left field you're like well that's totally unbelievable because like nobody could have seen that coming um, and i think they play it really well i think i'm just double checking so my understanding is that the character uses they them pronouns and the actress or the actor um uses predominantly she her um although they i think is acceptable as well um so yeah just just to just to be clear because undoubtedly i'll get my tongue tied in 30 seconds too um, we're all getting that tongue tied actually we are. we are but we're trying and that's really important i think so i think there there i've seen some really lovely chatter in the twitter verse and this is only what i have seen so there may well be another story out there because it's twitter and that's how it works um but some really great chatter about oh my word we had a trans actor playing a character who had motivation and like a, a, a plot arc that had nothing to do with their gender identity um, and that seems certainly from what i've seen there's been a positive response to that which i think is great adam it was such a, a refreshing take to have a trans actor portrayed in that way like they uh, she even said herself on twitter you know they have a, a habit of being portrayed very negatively or uh, you know sort of a, a sob storyline and it's never just the character that can just be and it was so refreshing she was you know she was a strong character and it was it's very very important for so many members of the lgbtqia community at the moment to have this representation and for star trek to do that it's not unexpected but it's just it's it's so needed and it was yeah it was uplifting to see uh, Lindsay, i think you were first so I think one of the, <laughs> um, I think one of the few real positives I took away from the second watch, which I didn't manage to finish, but I've, I've watched most of it twice, was I kind of at one point I was like, right, so Captain Angel is masquerading as Doctor Aspen, which means that Doctor Aspen is also trans, or that just nobody cares about it enough that it doesn't. It's it's not noticed or maybe it does and there's lots of people who are and that's also okay like i was like and actually i don't really care what answer is right but there are two characters like the, this person was able to play this other person and it was fine like i was just like oh like like i say i don't know what the answer is but the fact that i don't like i don't need to know because both of those answers are acceptable i think is really healthy and positive andrea I'm just going to say, I, I didn't know the actress beforehand, so I, I watched the episode not knowing that, that there was a, a trans actress in that role. Um, and I think it was something I kind of read afterwards, and I think that conversation with Spock is, is an example of where kind of Star Trek does a really good job of talking about issues of the now um, without hitting it over the head with a hammer. I think it was done in a really nice, talking about putting people in boxes and, and, and sort of the roles people expect you to play. And I think that conversation was really, really well done. I, I think that was like, I think that was a really good scene. Yeah, Andrea, I have to completely agree. It's It was sort of a, it, it just blatantly mirrored a conversation that, you know, that needs to be had for trans people now, you know, um, Dr. Aspen, you know, basically saying to Spock, you don't need to be human, you don't need to be Vulcan, you don't need to be either, you just need to essentially be. And that's that's essentially what so many trans people and non-binary people today, just they just need to be. They don't have to label themselves to be one way or the other. And it was just a perfectly mirrored conversation that would happen today. And and yeah, just to touch on what Lindsay said there, you know, there was there was just no question about 
you know, who this character was, whether, you know, they were they were trans or, or they were this or that. They just simply were. And I just, I love that. And yeah, hopefully we'll get to that point at some stage ourselves. That's a few thousand years, maybe. Uh, the rate we're going, it might take longer. But never mind. You know, progress. Progress is progress. I forgot what I was going to say. I'm sure it was going to be deep and delightful there. Oh, that's awful. Boxes. Um, so I, what, one of the things that I am really enjoying about uh, the conversations that we guys are, we guys, that we are having on, on the podcast and as the series progresses, is how many of the things that we speak about that then kind of come back in the show? Because like we've had quite a lot of extended conversations about Spock being more Vulcan, more human. Um, somebody had suggested that we were seeing Spock's Vulcan side, and I'm like, well, no, we're seeing the Vulcan side of, or like, you know, we were seeing what Vulcan Spock was like, and I'm like, because he is still human. Anyway, um, so I, I think that those conversations are really interesting, and I think it's reflected in the fact that that's what we're taking away from the show and we're talking about is a good sign that they're investigating those things quite naturally. Um, so I. Um, for anybody who who doesn't know, um, I am less fond of, of TOS in that era. I don't have a particularly strong emotional attachment to any of the TOS films. Um, and when people say things like "Oh, it's five, and I'm like, "Which one's five? Let me just go and Google that. Um, my knowledge of quite a lot of Trek is better, certainly better than Suki's. Um, okay, <laughs> movies. I'm like. I just like to make myself feel better by making you feel bad, Suki. That's basically what's happening. Here. That's all right. Um, I can take it. But like I knew who Cyborg was, and when he reappeared, I went, oh, that's really interesting. Now, there is a bit of me, very small bit of me, that's going, so this is going to be another one of like Spock's extended family adventure kind of overarching plot lines, of which we've had one or two now in contemporary Trek. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing, and I think it is really interesting, and I think the way that they're going to handle it is going to be interesting, and presumably we're going to see more of T'Pring, because... She is involved in the rehabilitation of people and stuff and things. So I think that's going to be that's going to be quite interesting. But there was a bit of me that went, "Oh, we're going back to this mine. Okay, that's fine. It's a it's a, it's a different like offshoot of the mine, but it is still the same mine." Andrea, I, I feel like me one reservation was I felt like Cyborg's wig was worrying us in the way that Nielsen's wig used to worry us. It was like, where's he got that wig from? It it looks like. It looks like one of these tribbles that I've got behind me. Like it was like, it was like seriously like bad wig, like central. And I've seen a few theories that it's like Ethan Peck in a wig, and it's like, oh, oh don't do that. Like cast somebody. Don't just like do the old like. Oh, I don't know. Classic track though, wouldn't it? Yeah. See, I, I was wondering why they didn't actually show reveal his face. I mean, it looks nice seeing him behind his head. With the matty there, the dodgy wig, or whatever you like, but the fact that they didn't reveal his face, I was wondering why. If if this plot line, this storyline, is continuing maybe for the next couple of episodes, because even then I don't know if the actress um, Captain Angel is going to be back. I mean, they might have her back as in the finale. They back in the finale uh, as the uh, as which means Cyborg will be back. Why didn't they just reveal him? I'd love to see his face. Adam. I think they've left it very open and uh, perhaps they actually haven't made a final decision on who to cast yet um, they, it could, they could go anywhere with it now they could just be, I hope it's not just a little clip it and, and we don't see any more Cyborg, I don't think we'll be seeing him on the next episode now or maybe not even this season, it could be next season but they've left it very open that they can they can change the actor about and, and they can, I think that's probably maybe the main reason behind it 
Yes, and it's a wonderful cliffhanger. It's like, but but who? But who? The uh, have you seen the trailer for the next episode? Yes. But you see that the next one, I'm super excited about. I am so excited for this one. Um yeah, it's gonna be epic. The Pike and Una being captured and all everybody. Don't you think that was a bit easy as well? I mean th- this this whole crew just captured. Don't try to steer from the back seat, Suki. Well I'll try to I've I've only got yeah, I'll try not to stay. Carry on then. No, no, it's fine. We can talk about that because you clearly want to talk about it before you go. I was going to talk about the rest of the one plot line we were talking about, but it's go on fine. Then. No, 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 I can edit all this there. Go on. Sarah, you were going to say something. I was, and I forgot what it was now. She's all giving in the Easter. No, um, I actually, I quite like that bit because, you know, there's quite a lot of occasions where transporters won't work and, and they realise really quickly that, because the thing about Starfleet is they always assume they're the smartest people in the room. So it was quite nice, actually, to see them captured so easily and so quickly because they were off guard because actually people were taking advantage of of Starfleet's kind of mission part of Starfleet's mission which is to 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 go out and make new relationships and new friendships and discover new things um yeah Adam if I had to talk about one detail that was a a gripe for the entire episode was uh when the crew had caused their mutiny and they were on their way back to rescue the Enterprise and just before they arrive one of the pirates says weapons are immobilised, shields just went down too and then they arrive, they immediately fire on the Enterprise and the shields are clearly still up (laughs) there's no hull (laughs) breach, you can see the shield effect ripple across the ship and when they fire on the nacelles the same thing, the shields are clearly up Uh, that was one detail that was just (laughs) A bit annoying, Andrea. I think in terms of plot holes, I'm thinking, well, there's like Spock and Chapel and Captain Angel running around on the ship. There's six of them in a cage on the pirate ship. Where's everyone else? <laughs> they went to engineer and I'm thinking, I was expecting like Hemmer at least to pop up. And I'm like, no, there's like literally like eight of them man in the ship this week. Um, and it, it did seem quite empty for a starship, but... Does it really matter? <laughs> the I would just like to point out that Suki's going to have to leave all of that conversation in situ because we have now lost all track of what we're talking about. Suki. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, that there was no Hemmer in this episode. I don't think there were appeared in this episode. Yeah, so there was just a uh, like a, a skeleton crew aboard the ship. The, the, the shield thing, was that maybe the proper shields or maybe whatever the ripple effect was deflected because they were in a staff... Uh, an asteroid belt, which is just deflecting the uh, the the asteroids away from them. That might be what you might have seen when they fired on the ship. There wasn't a proper shield, just deflectors. Some sort of secondary shield or something yeah. along those lines. Which yeah. needs, yeah, just needs to be on mm-hmm. to keep the asteroids away. That might be the only. That that's might a, be an explanation for. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay. So, just like so I think it's. There. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I lost all tracks. Oh, sorry. I would like to apologise for the quality of the flow of this podcast because I have been thrown entirely. Um, so I think for me, the the issue that I had with this episode, the predominant issue, mostly lay with the other plot. So the the 
um, with the abducted crew and the mutiny. And it was just so nonsense. Like, it was beyond camp. Like, it was just like, oh, guys, oh, we're going to create a mutiny. We're just going to talk about the fact we're going to create a mutiny, despite the fact that everybody's still standing, like, right behind us. And then we're just going to create a mutiny by saying, like, three things to three people who are apparently so stupid, they're not going to guess that's what we're doing. And then all of a sudden the mutiny's going to have happened and we're going to have the bridge and it's going to be fine. Like, oh, by the way, I'm going to cook you dinner in the process. Like, oh, not, not my favourite plotline at all. I'd also, Uhura, not Uhura, at number one, superhero. Have we just decided to forget that she's a superhero? Yeah, basically. So that bit for me was like a mad cross between um, a GCSE uh, drama piece where everyone's just gone a bit bonkers and a parent trying to convince their child that actually the peas are the most wonderful thing in the world by telling them they can't have the peas because they're not ready for the peas. Um, it was just really silly having said that <laughs> i don't know and some mount can do anything <laughs> i'm happy <laughs> he was in a penny over his <laughs> combat gear like what is not to love i mean maybe without so, so penny, pennies are a universal truth now <laughs> also taste buds universal apparently because everybody on that crew <laughs> really that. enjoyed the earth cooking uh with the oh like, oh, so, so many plot holes in this episode. So many plot holes. Suki. Right, so if anybody's doing their Enterprise bingo, here's my Doctor Who reference for the episode. So the the bit where uh, the, they stage the mutiny by just talking to people reminds me of the Christmas invasion. I think it was a Christmas invasion. The first David Tennant story where uh, David Tennant went up to the Prime Minister or Prime Minister's assistant and said, doesn't she look tired? And by the next episode, she'd been over, uh, taken uh, from power. Right, so there you go. Words matter. What are you sticking your hand fully in the camera for, Lynn? Let's go. I need to interrupt because that's utter rubbish because that was really nicely done because it was all done off camera. So the whole point of you can drop a comment in somebody's ear and it was a singular comment, and it was much more subtle than anything that Anson Mount said in this episode. And then time passes, and stuff happens while they're away doing other things. And when they come back, something has been a consequence of that. It's, it's totally different. Totally different, and much better writing. Uh, Andrea? So I think the two things are, one, why do the pirates choose to eat gruel when they clearly have, like, replicators? Like, why, why, why if, if none of them like the gruel, are they just humouring that guy? Like, that seems quite excessive. Um, but it was, a, it was a little bit of fun, wasn't it, really? Um, I think the worst crime, though, was, like, they, they can punch him in the face, but they messed up Pike's hair. <laughs> it messed up Pike's hair. That was the, that was the worst crime they could have possibly committed, and everyone wants to get in on Pike's hair. Um, Adam, I, th I think the writers might have even realised themselves just how silly that they had made this, because when they came back at the end, uh, and I think they almost tried to almost explain the silliness away by saying, "Oh yeah, we, we completely overstated uh, our our mutiny here, and it didn't quite go according to plan." So. I think that all just sort of ties into like, yeah, we're going to do like a semi-silly episode. So let's give a silly plot and we'll give sort of a silly answer to answer it away. So, yeah, it was silly. I wasn't I wasn't mad at it, <laughs> Sarah. Which is a bit of a shame because because there were some really beautiful things within the episode. And, and 
I don't know. Maybe I want my silliness to be either very, very silly, or you've got like Ortega's kind of one-liners, because because I think I think they've been doing that really well. Just those kind of funny little exchanges that suggest that these are people who know each other really well, and it kind of detracted a little bit. It felt like two episodes that didn't belong together because some of the I mean the, some of the stuff between Chapel and Spock was just gorgeous and um you know some of the acting that um Ethan Peck was doing you know his his face when he did his guess <laughs> while he was waiting to see if his guess was right was just beautiful and and as we've already said some of the scenes between um him and and uh Aspen stroke Angel were just just really really well done really lovely and then you've got all the nonsense that kind of follows on in the kind of latter third of the episodes sorry Lindsay so I'm gonna detour very slightly to talk about uh Pike's hair briefly and then I'm gonna come back to what it was you were talking about because I have now two schedule now <laughs> I'm in charge I'm allowed to okay. um so, Pike, I had uh, some of you who follow me on Twitter might have seen that I had this revelation, and I'm very late to the game. I'm not the first person to spot this by any manner or mean. But uh, Keir Starmer, who's the leader of the Labour Party in the UK, has like a proto Pike haircut, and I'm now slightly obsessed by this fact, and I can't quite get past it. It's kind of freaking me out. Uh, also, if you're playing uh, Bingo, here is my first Voyager reference of the episode. Um, what I thought when I saw Pike's hair having fallen down I was like, oh, it's like that one bit of Janeway's bun that repeatedly falls down every time that they're in. There was like a section they always used to take out whenever they were in a thing. And then she'd walk out of a turbo lift with like her head, hands up her head and it would miraculously be fixed. Um, and I was like, oh, look at Pike and his little one bit of his quiff that had fallen down. Uh, so that's where my head went with that. Um, so, Sarah, what you were talking about, about the, the balance of the episodes, I think that's something I struggled with as well. Because if you take that out, this is not a silly episode. There's the bit at the start, which I also really struggled with, which would have been really profound and really good, I think, about sexuality and about human sexuality versus Balkan sexuality. And, you know, this idea that Spring is doing this research and she's kind of freaking Spock out because Spock hasn't read like hasn't done research and how he associates with, with with these kind of things but that also just felt a bit a bit much like I just disagree. somewhere like okay um, like I, I liked it as a concept I really liked it as a concept that just felt like they were trying it felt like they were trying for comedy there and I wasn't feeling the comedy Oh no, I don't think it was meant to be funny. I thought it was really sweet. It was really lovely. Um, I, I thought what it really highlighted was obviously, you know, Vulcans are generally thought of as slightly cold fish and it just really showed, it followed on really nicely. Because obviously one of, the, one of the issues with TNG is that, you know, all these things happen in an episode and people are traumatised and dreadful things happen to them and then it's next week and everyone's fine again. Whereas actually that was a really nice follow on from him being so unsettled and thinking that she didn't like his humanity and that was somehow sullying to her going, actually, there's this big bit of you and I want to be able to support you to explore that and get to know it a bit better. So no, I, I actually, and I have written the words in my notes, it's very sweet. It was very sweet. Adam. Adam. Yeah, I, I love seeing this side of, um, of, of Vulcans because... 
it, it's it's been discussed a lot and it's a you know a very touchy subject for them but it's one that all trekkies know about and that's you know pawn far and and is is their sexuality literally just once every seven years and this show show now shows that it's really not uh, and we're getting to see a different side of it and it, it, it's it's funny because there is there's there's like clearly emotion there and we all know Vulcans naturally do have the emotions and and we're getting to see snips of that uh, in the background and yeah and as you said Sarah like famous TNG DS9 Voyager era something terrible happens let's never mention that again whereas now it's okay yeah we, we're seeing an evolving relationship go here and it's sort of sad that we already know how it ultimately ends, but we're we're seeing how this is going to you know progress and and what that aspect of Vulcan society looks like. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to completely out myself here, but I love seeing that side of the Vulcans. So I'm excited to see more. <laughs> There's no shame in it, and like I say, I I like I I think there is absolute value in the fact that she was willing to go away and research, but the fact that she then was embarrassing him by like. Being like, or oh, have you read this? And have you read this? And have you read like, like that? I have a really low tolerance for that kind of cringe. I think, and therefore, it made me uncomfortable on Spock's behalf, <laughs> and therefore, I didn't enjoy it. So maybe that is absolutely me, and I totally get that. But if that wasn't an attempt at humor, if you take the bit where they're on the, the Serene Squall um, out, then it's it's a deep episode, and it's profound, and it's great. So why have they shoved this really? Really, yeah, I, I feel like it, it wasn't a great balance for me, but that's just me, Andrea. I think what I'm really struggling with is because obviously, your kind of your impression of T'Pring before we went into Strange New Worlds only comes from that episode of TOS, and like, oh, she's like awful, she's awful, awful, like Spock wants nothing with her, and I'm actually really warming to her. Um, but I'm also struggling because I find him and Chapel's little thing quite adorable and, and quite relatable. And and I'm, I'm I don't know what I want. It's like oh I don't know I don't know I don't know I don't know. Um, so so I'm really torn. Uh, and of course we kind of know how it, it doesn't really work out with Dupree and it goes horribly wrong. Um, so it's like oh is that like Plan B? But but yeah I'm, I'm struggling with like how I feel about about those interactions and how I would like that to play out because I don't know um, and that's not what I expected at all I expected to be like yeah she's horrible like let's get her off the scene quite quickly but actually I've, I think as a character I think they've done a really good job of fleshing out who she is um, and she's got that she's got that role that she takes really seriously in this kind of career and you can see that like genuine kind of affection for Spock and I think they've done a really good job of, of taking someone who was in one episode um, in the 60s and giving them a, a much fuller kind of backstory and, and making them much more relatable so I think they've done a really good job of that because I, I am very confused <laughs> I don't know what I, I don't know I don't know how I want this to play out yeah, and I think um, I mean obviously we 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 know how it how it ends. I'm really interested to see how we get towards that point as well. I know that um, Ston um, does appear, doesn't he, um, at the rehabilitation centre? But one of the things that I, I I jotted down was he said to both women, Spock said to both women in these kind of final conversation closing conversations at the episode, "You know me so well." And that made that made my buttocks clench a little bit. I was like, "Ooh!" <laughs> I was like, Rrr. "He was playing. He's almost. He's not. I don't think he's doing it deliberately because he 
Khan is not emotionally intelligent enough. Um, <laughs> she says about a Vulcan. Um, but yeah, that that caught that caught me. It's like okay, well this this could be interesting. Sorry, Lindsay. Oh no, I was just going to say, Siki, I know that you need to dash away. Do you have yeah. anything else that you would like to leave us with before you have to vanish? Yeah, uh, one thing was Chapel. Oh, I love the fact that Chapel had to step in when Spock was trying to talk to Tupring and he was trying to uh, start his ruse uh, and trick Angel. But because he can't lie and Chapel could see he was struggling, I like the fact that Chapel then st uh, jumped in and said, oh, we're having an affair, we're doing this. And then he tried to say something again, but then this time he couldn't really say anything through words. He ended up having to kiss her. Right, and start the whole passionate kiss that they did started, and that was uh, just a lovely scene between them pair with Tupring in the uh, on the screen and Angel just looking on with disgust or whatever she was. She had on her face. They had on the face. Uh, I can understand. Uh, it was just a lovely scene to see. Uh, I've got to go. Right, Adam. Hope you're having a good time on here. Uh, if anybody else, uh, I'll see you soon. Um, I'm going to vote for Lindsay uh, as red shirt because uh, she wants to stick so regimentally to her schedule and everybody else wants to veer off. And that's why I think <laughs> we should vote for Lindsay as red shirt. Right. Thanks, Siki. No worries. Okay, guys, see ya. Everybody else wanted to veer off. Siki wanted to veer off. <laughs> such a backseat driver. Um, to be fair, it doesn't normally bother me, but I had a thing and I was going to go through the thing and now I've lost all track of where we are and what we have or have not discussed. Um, so let's talk about that scene then, because Suki has brought up the scene with the dissembling and the the kind of um, the kiss, I suppose. I guess why it was done the way it was done. But I don't really understand why Spock and T'Pring didn't just have a straightforward conversation about the fact that, shall we just break our bond, right? Okay, let's break our bond. Well, now the bond's broken, so whatever happens, it's not your fault. Like, that would have felt like a more Vulcan approach to solving that issue. I'm just wondering if it, it's kind of like the way divorce used to be. It has to. It can't just be, like, non-fault. Like, you've got to, like, blame someone to break that off. I wondered if, if maybe you had to have, like, a valid reason to, like, not continue. That doesn't feel very Vulcan, but I, 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 you're, you're possibly right. That's maybe, maybe but, what the thing is. But having said that, like, in order to break it in seven years' time, like, there has to be some sort of battle to the death. To the so, death. you know, which doesn't sound very Vulcan either. Sorry, I, I did feel really bad for Nurse Chapel because it's it was very apparent very early on in the series that she has feelings there. And uh, it's sort of like, like Andrea said earlier, I, I'm really enjoying the Spock to Pring relationship that we're seeing here but I also love the dynamic between Spock and Chapel and I, I sort of want that to develop and I wanted Nurse Chapel to have that moment with Spock and I didn't want it to happen that way uh, and she is quite clearly upset at the end of the episode and uh, I just really felt for her and uh, I didn't think that was a bit of a, a disservice to her to Nurse Chapel Andrea or Lindsay. Oh, that was a generic female host and it wasn't even Suki that made it. Suki has a very bad habit of picking the wrong name even when there's only <laughs> two of us off. Yeah. Uh, bless him. I think you're right. Like I think I see what they're doing with Spock and Chapel, but we also know that they're working together later, so presumably whatever does happen, they come out of it still talking to each other. I, I also think I have an Ortega's Chapel thing. Like I thought that there was a lot of 
unresolved sexual tension a few episodes ago when Ortega was sitting there having to listen to Chapel talk about her flings. Um, I thought that was going to be a thing. I would like that to be a thing. Um, so we shall see. I think I think that would probably be a nice way to address it in the end. That Spock and she don't end up doing a thing, but actually she yeah. ends up with somebody else. So it's not just like a sad thing about Spock didn't sleep with her. Like I think I'm always I get broken hearts are real, um, and, and single them is also real. Um, but it's I would rather people ended up in better, healthier relationships than necessarily who they're pining after, who everyone's going, but it'll be a disaster. And this is this is where, I mean, I hate to use the word canon, and I'm really sorry <laughs> to bring it up, but this is where it all gets a little bit confusing because we we know from TOS that she is still in love with him and kind of pining for him, which kind of, I, I don't know. So it's like, actually, are we are we on that timeline? still heading towards that moment where quite frankly she's treated appallingly in that episode um by the the three men um or are we kind of veering off slightly um so steve called it uh being canonically risky we were talking about it earlier um he said not to worry about it so much <laughs> I think sometimes you do. You have to take canon with a pinch of salt because I'm sure as long-term Star Trek fans, we all know that canon within anything is a little bit dodgy. Um, as a long-term Voyager fan, I was once listening to a podcast where they had a Voyager torpedo count and a Voyager shuttle count about the number of torpedoes and, Voy and shuttles that Voyager had at various points in their journey, which, shock horror, make no canonical sense. Um, I do feel like somebody could have done better work there, but I, like, I think we all just have to accept that canon is more of a flexible beast than, than we would like it to. A slight adjunct off Star Trek, I went to go see the um, Michelle Yeoh, sorry, Michelle motherfucking Yeoh, Yeoh uh, <laughs> film. Uh, <laughs> haven't, had to, haven't got to say that for a long time. That was one of the things I used to say in Discovery Season 1 on a regular basis. Anyway, um, uh, everything, every, no, what, everything everywhere all the time, um, which is a multiverse film, and absolutely mind-belt, Bendy, but in quite a good way. Um, but one of the things they talk about is that they they talk about the fact that something has gone wrong in another reality and the way that you can tell in this reality is just, and they give a variety of examples, like your hair isn't, like it doesn't behave the same all the time. And like, you know, clothes don't wear the same way the second time that you wear them. And like, just like a whole series of things that are like so true to life that you're like, oh, wow. So maybe this this verse is just, just like being thrown off by something that happened in Kelvin verse, and therefore it's just wobbling a little bit, and there are just various things that are not quite the same. This is my new canon theory about lots of things. Um, okay, I would like us to talk about the five year mission because some people got very cross <laughs> in our mentions about the five year mission. So, Adam, if you were not aware, we have been having a little bit of chat about whether or not crew were on a five year mission now. I will absolutely accept, as has been shouted at us in the in our mentions, um, that absolutely at the start, because he's repeating what it is that Kirk says at the start of TOS, that Pike says they are on a five-year mission. But they're not on a five-year mission. Like, they keep being sent on little away day missions by, like, Central HQ, and they're not, like, out investigating new bits of the world they don't space nobody's been in, because they're all inside the Federation. 
like they keep talking about oh, we can't go into there because that's not federation space so how can you be exploring strange new worlds within your own territory it makes no sense to me however that may just be me sarah uh i will buy that actually i was about to disagree with you and then you started to make a little bit of sense which now <laughs> put me in a tricky position um steve actually paused during the opening speech <laughs> so eager was he to reiterate the fact that he was right about the five-year mission um in tos they do still get sent on missions so they are still given things to do um, so it's not that they're just oh, okay. left to drift off and go and do their own thing. They are then sent, actually, you have to go to this place to do whatever it is you have to do. Um, so that there is that, there is, um, I was going to say precedent, except there isn't because it's in the future. Uh, right. Right. Well, no, there's canon precedent. I will take that. <laughs> yeah. Don't quote me now on my figures, but going back to Voyager, weren't they given a mission? The Friendship One mission when they were 35,000 light years away from the Federation. So I don't think, I think that, I think the distance isn't really an issue. If you're within comms range, you can be given we split off missions to go wherever. So that, I'm not yeah, sure. That's not a bad point. It's not a bad point. Um, yeah. Interestingly, I, I actually thought at the start of this episode that it felt very much like a Voyager episode. Um, like that, that changed quite quickly. But this idea that there was somebody who was trying to help some people but actually they didn't have what they needed to do it um like you know there was no backup like all of it felt very much like it could have sat quite naturally like in the delta quadrant yeah. <clears throat> even as much as the double cross i think would have sat quite naturally in a voyager episode um, which i think is the first time that i felt that in new trek for ages um it's not a bad thing and i think particularly if we're going back to more familiar episodic formats then it's nice that we're seeing a variety of plot lines like i'm sure it would have sat in tos and various other places too but that it felt very much to me like a voyager kind of and also you would have had neelix and the doctor being on like the alien ship and it would have been just as ridiculous and i would have found it just as frustrating adam i think i think that's maybe why i did enjoy this episode so much for for all of its silliness but because it did it just felt familiar i feel like you know we've seen this sort of structure of an episode so many times before and and star trek are known for recycling so many different aspects and it is it is just a sort of hollers back to if it's not broken don't fix it so yeah like for strange new worlds to come back in it seems to have had i would like to say universal but I, obviously it's not but it seems to have been instantly well more received than a lot of the other newer iterations that we've seen and I think it is just because it's it's familiar and as I say it's it's just bringing back that that Star Trek feeling that not that we've necessarily missed because we, I love all of the newer shows for different reasons but this one just definitely feels a lot more like home if you want to describe it like that Sarah yeah I, so so we were having this conversation at home about you know some of the lines delivered are the sorts of lines you would have got in discovery but i didn't mind them in this whereas in discovery i was, I was like, Ugh. um <laughs> for the audience at home i am rolling my eyes um yeah i don't, I don't it's, it's tonally it feels different so they can get away i think with the cheesy lines and banging us over the head with things a bit more so it doesn't feel like you're being banged over the head with it then then perhaps some of the more 
sort of serious aspects of Picard or, or Discovery. Um, I, I, I don't know because um, I was trying to work out what 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 my issues were because I d- I did enjoy both of those series, but as you say, Adam, it they didn't quite hit me the way that that this has. Like I keep coming back to the fact that Strange New World is quite a contained primary cast compared to certainly Discovery. Like Discovery has a cast of thousands because they've created all these characters that we care about. Um, and therefore I feel like we're constantly being like, oh, but we didn't see this person, we didn't see that person, and where's this person? And everybody got three seconds on screen. Um, whereas in Strange New World, not only have we got a smaller primary crew, we've also known some of them before and we've known them for longer. So we've met Pike before, we've met Number One before, we've met Spock and this iteration and many others before. We know Uhura a little. Like, and therefore they've managed to do other things with their characters quite quickly. And the ones we didn't know, so Uhura and Hammer, and we're getting more of them. Although we haven't seen Hammer at all in this episode. But like, we're getting more of them because they're not having to constantly fight to put somebody at the centre who doesn't naturally scriptwise fall in the centre of, of every situation and conversation. Adam? I definitely feel like this show has a, a sort of easier rotation, you know, like, like they always did with most other iterations. You know, yes, we have our primary crew and they sort of bar maybe the captain and the number one. And even then, sometimes the number one, you know, they rotate them where they, they don't appear in an episode or, or they have very little screen time. But that's fine, that just happens, and they rotate back to them, you know, in another episode and come back. And I think we're definitely seeing that with Hammer the most, um, and potentially Uhura as well. But it's, I don't mind it because I know they're they're, they're going to come back. And, and I feel like with Discovery, sometimes, as you say, like, it feels almost like the characters are fighting for their screen time. Let's insert them here for 20 seconds, give them their minute, and right, we'll worry about them again later. And they're sort of forgotten a little bit. Uh, I think, especially in the last season of Discovery, I know it was down to COVID and bubble and social distance and things like that, but we we didn't see some of the crew for episodes at a time and they were just completely forgotten about. Whereas we haven't seen Hemmer this episode, but I'm not worried because I know we're going to see him next week and there's that sort of healthy rotation. So yeah, I, I definitely think they're, they've, they've learned from their mistakes. That always happened. Like you would... Quite often, you'd like a character would vanish for an episode, or maybe even two, and then you'd suddenly realise that later on in the season there was an episode that was like ninety percent of them on a planet, and you'd be like, "Oh, that's why we didn't see them for two weeks." Um, like, I, I think, and and we see that less now because they're not making twenty four episodes a season. Where's the pity? Um, or not? But you know, um, I, I think it's interesting. So I think all of all of the different versions that we currently got at the moment of Star Trek have their own thing. But it's nice to see Strange New Worlds finding theirs. So I think we have covered all the major plot points. What we're going to do now is a little roundup. Andrea, have you got anything in your notes or in your brain that you have not had a chance to share with us yet? Um, I have written down that if I don't eat ever again, I would quite like to wear that black um, cat suit that Captain Angel was wearing, but it would heavily rely on us eating dust for the next six years, so maybe that cosplay isn't going to happen, but I did think it looked really, really good. Um, and I think particularly once you had a villain revealed, right, that's an awesome villain outfit. <laughs> I think so. I think props to the costume department. I also quite like the um, the little away mission outfits 
Um, and I like the fact that they've got the kind of chest thing in the sort of metallic colour that goes with your kind of rank and stuff. I, I think there's a lot of fun to be had with these costumes. I'm a big fan of the Strange New Worlds costumes anyway, but yeah, I, I think they've had quite a lot of fun with those. Um, and I think that's run through New Trek. Um, I think the Discovery costumes have, have been exceptional. Um, so, so yeah, I, I quite like noticing a little bit of costume. We're firmly back in there. How many how many bits of uniform does every person on the crew have? Um, look, there's a lot of there is a lot of uh, different uniform costuming going on, but you know what? We're enjoying it. It's fine. Um, I really enjoyed the eye detail. I think that'll be quite. I think a lot of cosplayers will be having fun with Captain Angel's. Um, I don't know if they were tattoos or whatever they were supposed to be, but I think yeah, that could be quite a, a fun add on. I did have a conversation with somebody the other day while I was discussing Cure Starmers pikeness or lack thereof if somebody wants to, somebody said to us in our little uh, basement chat uh, chat that he looks like he might be a cousin because he's not good looking enough to be a sibling which i think is fair <laughs> um, but i was discussing with somebody else about the fact that accidental cosplay is a bit harder in in the strange new world uniforms like because there's not very many people who are going to go out wearing like a gold top like just a solid gold v-neck top i was like maybe a lamb's will or something Present company excluded. Um, whereas Theresa May did accidentally wear a TNG uniform, I think. <laughs> Sarah Davis. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, so the, the, the first weekend that Adam and I spent together, um, we went to see the lovely Sean Ferrick, who I don't know where he keeps his actual clothes because he has an entire, <laughs> an entire wardrobe that is just... Um, uh, uniform. So I arrived a day early and Sean was desperate for us to do you know put some put some uniform on and take some pictures and things and I was a bit like no that's just a bit weird and then Adam arrived with his suitcase full of uniform the following day <laughs> and we spent a happy couple of hours <laughs> just playing dress up I have the photographic evidence that it will make its way to Twitter at some point yeah I love it I, 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 I have to say um, Sean I think did a change every hour during the uh, Trek for Ukraine podcast marathon of doom and um, bless him he was he was very committed to getting lots of his uniforms on screen i think somebody made a passing comment about the fact that if if he has one of everything the amount of stuff he now has must be absolutely gargantuan it is it is that as sarah said there was there was a wardrobe and there was just cosplay in it i, I didn't actually see any normal attire there at all well, I've, I was I was sort of eyeing up number one's costumes. I like I was like I really like that uniform. You know, I, I could see me in that uniform, and, and I got a really hard no that it doesn't matter what auction it appears in, I'm not getting it. So I was like, no, I just bet a replica one. I just bet a replica one. It's like no, no. Unfortunately, well, a good replica can set you back a significant quantity of cash as well these days. Um, however, other other sources are available. I am sure. Um, I was going to say that one of the things that I've really enjoyed about Strange New World and the costuming is that the women are wearing sensible, or the female presenting crew are wearing sensible boots. Um, like there's a lot of knee-high boots going on, but they all have like sensible heels. They're not like, you know, Kate Mulgrew having to chop around in like three and a half inch heels on a regular basis. Um, but it does change the look of things quite a lot. I do occasionally stop and I'm like, and I'm like, oh, it's because they've got actual practical footwear on. Get on them. I'm enjoying that. Um, fabulous, Andrea. Do you have anything else left in your tank? I feel like like we, we just need to have a little reference to the um the the Orion gentleman who was masquerading as captain. 
he didn't really seem very captainly, um, even before you knew he wasn't the captain, I think. Um, I think he was like very much the comic relief this week. And I think the other thing is, I think we talked last week about it being quite a heavy episode and having that quite sort of some quite dark scenes. Um, and I sort of felt from what we'd had so far, maybe the sort of series needed that tonally. And I think when you see how it's kind of sandwiched in, I, I think that was definitely a, a good decision. So it didn't become too light because I think that's a danger. It becomes daft every week and you kind of, it's got no, so you're not investing in it as much. So, um, so I think that's probably, that episode probably sits a little bit better when you've kind of seen how it fits wider series um but i think they do a really good job of there are definitely themes and arcs but they are very much self-contained episodes and i think you could watch this where you don't need to have seen last week you don't need to have seen any other episodes to kind of pick up and and enjoy it yeah i'm definitely looking forward to uh i hope someday you know they give us like a uh, if they ever do like a mid-season break where we have a a two-parter where episode one is sort of a, a dire cliffhanger and we're like oh my god what's going to happen this seems so you know completely change it from what we've had this week and and next week certainly looks like it's going to be light-hearted as well so uh, give us i'm looking forward to that range as you say because if it's if it's too much of one sort of tone you'll lose interest and it pains me to admit that i definitely felt that way the last two seasons of discovery so i'm i'm definitely enjoying this this range that they're giving us but yeah i need that the gorn episode i've forgotten the name of it uh was a bit more sort of dire straits and that was fun to see so i'm looking forward to that again that one's memento mori yeah <laughs> i'm i'm not good with names at all uh, <laughs> ever to be fair I'm, I'm sitting here with wikipedia in front of me so that, that, <laughs> that would be the only reason why i'm even attempting to get that um fabulous okay sarah do you have anything we have yet to cover yes i have two points so one was i was very confused that dr aspen's file that they said they'd looked up didn't have a picture of her in it of them in it because like did angel make themselves look like dr dr aspen or did nobody know what dr aspen looked like so that bothered me that did bother me and is troublesome and my other point was actually steve's point and i'm really sorry but i promised i'd share it because you know we had to do rock paper scissors for this week <laughs> he had lots to say but it was my turn um <laughs> Um, he really liked the little Easter egg um, from Star Trek 2, the references to Boy Scout. So, um, yeah, because David Marcus refers to Kirk as an overgrown Boy Scout. Um, so, yeah. Which is, once again, we're back in uh, a space whereby Pike, the differentiation between Pike and Kirk is kind of vanishing really small. Um, one of my other gripes with this episode was... This idea that the captain learns that somebody refers to him as a Boy Scout, so in order to get over that, he decides to go on an away mission. It was, like it just all felt very infantile. Like this idea that, like, and, and number one calls him out on it, which is the redeeming point. But we, he, you know, they're like, "Oh yeah, it's in your file and everything. You're totally called Boy Scout." And then he's like, "Well, here am I leading this away mission to do this ridiculous thing on my own." At least he took some security with him this time, though. You know, bonus points. It, clearly her security and tactical teams need to do some more drills though given how quickly the ship was uh, overtaken andrea i just i kind of i really kind of relate to that like working relationship between pike and number one um 
it, it, I, I feel like I, I, I get that dynamic and I kind of live that dynamic. Like it, it, it's, it's surprisingly believable. <laughs> I think it's great, but it doesn't back up the thing from what was it last week or the week before when she's like, where fun goes to die. Like, I just don't think that's how they're portraying her at all. No, like, that, that was really felt very... weird. That was very bizarre. Like that didn't make any sense at all from what we've seen of her. She's actually quite playful, and yeah, yeah. And, like, and I get you know there was some chat in that episode we spoke about the fact that in TOS number one is very strict and very straight down the line, and part of that was you know they were bucking trends like this idea that you know there was a a firm woman in in the command kind of structure or, um, as part of the 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 bridge crew. But yeah, I quite like the fact that they all tease each other, and it's fine. And like the fact that she called it out is good, but it makes me feel like Pike is more Kirk than he was last week. Mm-hmm. Like the whole kind of like he got teased, so therefore he like went off and did a thing, which was inadvisable and resulted in him being captured. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know captains have motivation like we know that this happens like we see it in various places like the obvious one is like Jamie's relationship with guilt means that she often is the one who's like no it's fine I'll do this thing because I can't ask any of you guys to do it because I'm the one who's trying to see her and like reasons um and that comes out to play at various points so like motivation is absolutely thing we see it just felt very kind of like hair trigger they'd, they'd put in boy scout reference so that they could then have a reason why he'd gone on the away mission maybe which we've had a couple of these kind of like filler lines. It wasn't quite a sledgehammer. It was yeah. It was maybe an ice pick this week. Anyway, uh, Sarah slash Steve, do you have anything else? No, we are. D- well, I'm sure Steve does, but he's not here. So yes, we're done. Huh? I'm sure Steve will be welcome next week or at any point in the future he would like to come. I feel like there's going to be lots of excellent chat next week, either because it'll have been excellent, delightful, or because people will be crestfallen because it did not live up to. <laughs> Some of our very uh, high expectations. Uh, Adam, do you have anything you have yet to manage to bring to the table? Yeah, just one uh, Easter egg that I loved. It's sort of a two-part Easter egg. I loved that the the pirate ship had a nautical style helm wheel, which also is an Easter egg to Star Trek V that they had in the uh, in the lounge. They had the nautical style helm wheel as well. So I love that little connection. Another callback to movie five. Excellent. Um, I, yeah, I don't have anything else really to add of any notes, um, other than the fact that, because I'm on Wikipedia this week, um, I've noticed that all of the episodes so far have been two-handers, they've been written by um, two people, and they seem to be kind of be interchanging out with each other, so they've got a writing team and they're doing a bit of kind of like mixing around of who's writing with who for which episodes, which I think is working really nicely. I think for the most part we're getting kind of like a feel for the characters and with the notable exception of that number one uh, comment, I feel like the, the writing has been quite consistent through, which is nice. Um, there is an episode number nine, which appears to have been written only by one person, which will either be better than average or we'll look at it and go, well, they needed a hand. Um, so we shall see. Just a random observation. Adam? Yeah, I, I really love what the writers have done um, for the characters this season. I feel like in in the first two episodes, uh, we learned so much more about certain characters, like Dr. Mbenga, for example. We learned so much more about him in one episode than we have in whole seasons of, of, of Discovery. Like, my other half 
um, he he didn't warm to the character at all. He 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 actually said he's like I don't know how I feel about him. And then when his daughter came to light in the transporter, he's like, oh, I know who he is now. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I like him. And and that's just it. So I I love what the the writers have done for the for the characters this season. It's it's been brilliant. Uh, Lindsay. We missed Amnar. We had we had quite an extended conversation about the fact that we had all quite liked him until we discovered he had a daughter in the oh, no. and then we were like, What? What is this man doing? Let me go fishing while my daughter is just waiting in the transporter for me to find the cure. Um, so there are some feelings. Um, but you know what? It's a character who's three dimensional and has, you know, family and history and motivation, which I think it's really important we can have that across the board and that is really sound well fabulous um we will take uh are we second and now we will have your reviews So, listeners' feedback. We have had a variety of exciting feedback from you all, of all of which we are very glad to have received. Um, Andrea, would you like to start us off? So, I've got Mark from Prog to Who, who says, I've not had a chance to watch this week's episode yet, but really enjoyed last week's episode. I can't believe they killed a frightened child on screen. Savage. Um, if you haven't listened to last week's podcast yet, um, I'll go on about Torchwood Children of Earth quite a bit, so it's not like who hasn't done it. Um, so thanks for that, Mark. I hope you enjoy this week's episode too. Adam. I have the lovely Steve Davis, who said, Hey, lovely people, loved the last pod. A Galactos Assembly of Reviewers. First, a quick point of order. This is 100% a five-year mission. Pike says so in the opening credits and everything. We got, we got in the first sense this episode that they were out on their own out there. And Pike was going to have to make the big calls without backup, which is very liberating plot device. But can we get, contra- but can get contradicted when they keep popping up in Starbase One or back in Vulcan? Hey ho! As long as the plot keeps barreling on, I'm okay with that. This episode was by the numbers parody romp, elements of the Tholian web, insurrection, and good old-fashioned TOS prison breaks, and of course, at last, due recognition for the best movie in the franchise. I might be biased, but was his haircut not his haircut not just amazing? And if you want to know why there's a great movie, he sent us a link to why movie five is the best movie in the franchise, which is a, a bold claim. <laughs> um, so this is Tom Turlow. Another very solid episode, although you have to question the competence and intelligence of captain and crew in allowing themselves and their ship to be taken by such a ramshackle bunch of pirates. I very much like the Nurse Chapel Spock pairing and think there's sizzling chemistry between the actors portraying them. I'm intrigued as to where this will go. I didn't see the twist when the main um, bad guy or gal revealed herself and she was an entertaining antagonist. My enjoyment of the episode was greatly multiplied at the very end with the potential arrival of Cyborg. It's amazing how the creators of New Trek seem to be so obsessed with the worst Trek movies. Oh, Tom, no. <laughs> the card mind nemesis, now the inspiration is Star Trek V. I like this a lot, but I like it every week. So I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Four lights out of five. Thank you, Tom. Um, so I have Deanna Dark. It was interesting to watch Spock, T'Pring and their relationship again. 
I wonder how the writers will explain why they broke up later. I remember a book that I was reading long ago, that version of Tepring never loved Spock. This Tepring is different. Oh, we could start a whole other conversation about book canon versus show canon. Oh, very controversial. Andrew. So I've got Older But Open, who says, without giving a whole review, I'll say that the chaos behind Captain Pike while he was on the bridge of the Serene Squall was the most laugh-out-loud Star Trek moment I've seen in decades. Glad you enjoyed it. Adam? I'm not sure who I've got next. Uh, there's no... Well, this is the lovely Deb. Ah, he said, I really don't know how to rate this episode. It was bizarre. The pirate ship had a wheel at the helm. Pike was tortured by lack of hair product, <laughs> but saved the day by insulting the captain's cooking and a bit of gossip. The stereotypical pirates looked like they hadn't washed or had hair cut in years. Captain Angel could have walked off a panto set. I was waiting to see if they had a pirate called Pugwash who would explain, who would exclaim, Kipper, Kipper me captains and call the Tom for the cabin boy. That's the worst pirate accent I've ever done. <laughs> I'll apologise for that. The last wasn't much better, so I, I think we're okay. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. The chemistry between the crew is great. I'll second that. Pike, the most laid-back captain in Starfleet. Boy Scout, though. I've read Scouting for Boys, and I don't think Baden Powell would have approved of Pike's antics with Alora last week. As BP wrote... Use, the use of your parts is not to play with, but to enable you to get children when you're married. Uh, Nurse Chapel and Spock are so great together, and the bridge crew really work so well. I'm struggling to know who my favourite character is. It keeps changing, but it might be Spock at this precise moment. I actually loved Jessie J as Captain Angel. She clearly enjoyed that role and has created a glorious baddie who I hope returns. And Cybok. I don't know who I don't know about this. Michael Burnham never said she had two brothers. It can't be canon. So no idea how many lights. It was bizarre and fun, and we didn't even get to hear about Depring, who is oh, who's still a bitch. Why? Find out how to spice up her and Spock's sex life. I think next week will be very different if we get to meet Cybok. I don't know. Four pirate four pirate arcs out of five. Yeah. Okay, so we've got Dave. The first miss for me in the series, I'm afraid. Not bad per se, but it just missed the mark for me. I felt the episode didn't really know what tone it was going for and at times was a little dull. And whilst I do enjoy exploring Vulcan culture with Spock and Tpring, I'll confess the lean into more soapy vibes here didn't work for me, which I'll admit is probably more my problem than the show's. 2.2 lights. Fine, just not for me. But then I seem to love last week's more than most, so it evens out. So I've got Jack's review. Uh, first, my moment of the week. Ethan Peck isn't the definitive Spock. Leonard Moy has 56-year head start. But that moment when you play Spock reacting to, to Pring, casually bringing up sex, the reaction was both priceless and not only as stoic as Nimoy would do it, but I feel that Peck is building his Spock portrayal to complement and further Nimoy's. Horny to Pring is undoubtedly my highlight. Gaia and Ethan play this so well uh, and get my cat off of the week. Then, when Spock and Chapel kiss in front of Tepring, my heart broke. I think throw a rock in this show and you'll hit a very good answer. 
We are only seven episodes in, but I love any episodes with a heavy nurse chapel presence. This is because Jess Bush's portrayal reminds me of my own autistic self, especially before I was diagnosed at 26. And like with Ken Mitchell, makes me somewhat see myself in my favourite franchise. Why do characters now need away uniforms before transporting out? Thought this was changed in episode one. Judging by the leads Orion Pirate and Orla Brady in Picard, there's an Ireland on both of these planets. I approve of us being everywhere. The abandoned ship near the end loses some sting in that I think Strange New Worlds in a prequel is a prequel and we know that danger isn't real for Enterprise, Spock and Christopher Pike, except for the eventual disability. A wag of my finger at Hemmer and Uhura for being completely AWOL. Yes, I love any time we see Nurse Chapel and I hope Jess Bush marries me. I've got a mint wedding song and a free bus pass. And there is a rule. If Andrea draws a character and that character or characters is not focused on, I wag my finger. Counselor Angel seems an intriguing character. Hopefully we see them again. If they are one and done, it's Star Trek's biggest missed opportunity since Captain Janeway was the torturer in Equinox Part 2 and it was never brought up again. I love Equinox, but it is a difficult and complicated episode. That was me, Lindsay, sidebarring. Apologies. A uh, bit convenient that when most of uh, the Strange New Worlds crew are captured, most of the senior staff are kept together. Bet that won't bite the Orion bloke in his arse. Hopefully the ending with Angel is followed up on in a future episode eventually, otherwise I expect disappointment. This was mainly a character build episode rather than a story focused one. I give it three slices of birthday chocolate and fudge cake. It does pose interesting thoughts of it's not what you are, it's who you are, as I said. Want to add, it seems far so far-fetched that Spock would have a secret sibling never spoken about. That's like telling me he has a secret sister in the 32nd century. I'm off this week. I intend to travel to 1989 to tell everyone that Spock could never have a brother. Well, just tweet people I'll never meet. Anson Mount's pirate voice, damn it. Everything he does is perfect. I'm pretty sure I have disabilities to make up for his ultra-perfectness. Jack, I am sure that is not true, but thank you so much for your thoughts. Andrea. So I've got Darren Pickles, who says, This week's episode, The Serene Squall, was excellent. I liked that Nurse Chapel's unrequited feelings for Spock had carried over from TOS. I liked when Pike was thinking on his feet and starting mutiny amongst the pirates and his ah piratey voice at the end was fun. Although the expression he had on his face when he did it was more Popeye the Sailor Man than Long John Silver. However, the twist with the fake Dr Aspen was a bit too obvious and the character went very OTT for me when they became the evil moustache twirling villain. That did let the episode down slightly. I liked the name of Pike's mutiny gambit, Alpha Braga 4, which was a nod to TNG, Voyager, Enterprise and the Orville writer and producer Brannon Braga. So the appearance of Cybok at the end of the episode was quite a surprise, but at least they're showing that they're keeping the continuity going from Spock's past to the TOS movies. The strange thing was that I had only just received the graphic novel of Star Trek V yesterday. I'm not a fan of that god-awful Shatner Shift best of a film, but I had to buy the graphic novel because of the Star Trek VI includes in the same book, and I really wanted that one. Who knows, maybe the comic book will be better than the film, and it'll have the infamous rock monster ending that they couldn't afford due to budget cuts. Four and a half lights out of five. Thank you, Darren. And I have one from Blue Cat. I liked it a lot better on the second viewing. 
It was a fun episode, and I did like Spock and Chapel's deception and Dupring's reactions, both fake and real. Pike cooking the pirates a good meal reminded me of Wendy in Peter Pan, but it was wittingly done, and I enjoyed his repartee with the Orion pirate. All in all, an episode I'm warm about, not as cool as lukewarm, but not so warm as four lights or anything. Pike's Our Mateys was over the top, even for Una and Ortegas. I'll give this one three lights out of five. And we do have some audio feedback, which our lovely Suki will insert here. I think it is from Steve. After the slight misstep of episode six, Star Trek Strange New Worlds returns immediately to form with episode seven, The Serene Squall. The Enterprise is lured into a trap by the space pirate ship of the title. Attempting to rescue some colonists from being sold into slavery, a boarding party led by Pike and Lahn is quickly captured by the pirates, and soon the Enterprise itself falls for them, and most of the crew are beamed aboard the pirate ship and imprisoned, leaving only Spock, Nurse Chapel, and visiting Dr. Aspen, Jesse James Keitel, to recapture the Enterprise. Just as they are about to succeed, Dr. Aspen is revealed to be Captain Angel, the leader of the pirates. They capture Spock and Christine and attempt to use Spock's life to force T'Pring to release their Vulcan lover. But Spock and Christine have one more card to play. And back on the Serene Squall, Pike has been fermenting mutiny. The pirates are forced to surrender and Angel beams out with the promise that they will see Spock again. The Serene Squall is just great fun. Of course, the idea of space pirates is far from new. It's been done many times before, going right back to the golden age of pulp science fiction and cropping up in just about every space opera film and TV show since, including, of course, Doctor Who in 1969. And in truth, this episode does nothing new at all with the idea. Although the ease with which a ragbag cutthroat renegade takes over a Starfleet ship does raise an eyebrow. But that just doesn't matter. The pirates are really little more than a plot device to provide something for Spock and Christine in particular to do, and a way of getting Pike out of the scene. The real meat of the episode comes in exploring three relationships. Spock's long-distance engagement with his fiancée to Pring, his developing friendship with Christine Chapel, and that between Spock and Dr. Aspen, particularly before they're revealed to be the pirate captain. Tupring is still finding a separation from Spock difficult, and has been making efforts to understand the non-Vulcan side to his personality by studying human sexuality, a revelation which seems to alarm and embarrass Spock in equal measure. In her previous appearances, Gia Sandu's Tupring has struggled to be more than a rather cold, unsympathetic character, and we know already that her relationship with Spock will end in tears, but she is growing on me as we see more of her efforts to understand her fiancé. Spock and Christine are becoming closer. Of course, we know about the nurse's unrequited feelings for the science officer from the original series, and although both are still insisting to each other that neither has feelings for the other, this episode brings them to a somewhat significant moment in their relationship. These Spock Chapel scenes are becoming some of the highlights of this series, and are very well played by Ethan Peck and Jess Bush. We knew how good Peck was from Discovery. But Bush is already one of the most watchable actors among the Strange New World's cast. From their arrival on the Enterprise, Dr. Aspen seems drawn to Spock. The science officer is still struggling to work out his own identity, and as a non-binary person, Aspen is well-placed to help him to discover who he is. 
when they're revealed to be the pirate captain, we discover that Aspen's fascination with Spock may have another source, as her, her imprisoned Vulcan lover is revealed to be none other than Spock's half-brother, Cybok, originally seen in Star Trek V, The Undiscovered Country. The fact that Angel escapes, promising Spock that they will return, gives me hope that we've not seen the last of the pirate captain, nor of Cybok. So, the Serene Squall is, an is a thoroughly enjoyable in some Stranger Worlds, and a sign of a series that is now back on track, and is perhaps setting up elements of a plot arc for the final three episodes of the season. So those were our reviews. So thank you all for writing in. Um, you are more than welcome to continue to do so. Um, like we say, if you could give us a few hours to watch the episodes uh, before you send us anything that could be considered a spoiler, that would be amazing. Um, but uh, thank you all so much for taking the time to get in touch. How many lights you see? There are four lights! I asked how many lights you see. In the meantime, it is time for us to give our lights out of five to this shiny episode. Um, Andrea, let us start with you. Lights out of five. There are four lights. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was lots of fun. It's not, I think, when I compare it to the episodes, that's probably been my favourite in the season. I don't think it's one of my favourites, but I did, I did really like it. So I'm happy with four Fabulous. Adam. I'm also going to say there are four lights out of five. Um, this episode had some really important um, stories to tell, um, some important conversations that we needed to hear. Um, it had, it was, as I say, there was camp. There was just a lot of fun, some silliness, a bit of lightheartedness, and an all-rounder, a good one, one that we'll be able to go back to and just oh, stick that one on for a laugh. Four out of five. Excellent. Uh, Sarah? Yeah, I think I'm also going to go four out of five. It it was, it was good fun, and the brilliant bits of it were were really brilliant, and the lovely bits were really lovely. Um, I just <laughs> so Steve did do his lights out of five, and he gave it four point two eight seven five two zero nine one six seven five three nine seven. I'm sure that's significant for a reason I do not understand. <laughs> Um, I am gonna. I'm gonna feel like the sourpuss at the party. I'm gonna give it two and a half lights. Like it's fine, but there are huge portions of it that I just think are a bit much, or not as well crafted as they could be. Um, that's not fifty percent. It's not awful. Really not awful. Just not, not fab. Um, so I've had a rough few episodes. I didn't enjoy the last one all that much either. However, I am so super excited about next week that I'm excited. Shiny happy face. I woke up this morning, put on my red shirt. Oh, fabulous! Okay, so it only leaves the hugely important decision for us as to who shall be our red shirt of the week. Um, so Suki has already told me that I am his red shirt, which I think is harsh because he was backseat driving. It's not my fault. <laughs> Andrea, who would you like to make your red shirt of the week? But I'm always tempted to nominate Sucky, but also I know how much he wants the honour, and that makes us kind of want to not nominate him. Um, but just as a completely left field choice, I'm nominating Deb because I feel like I want to defend to Pring because um, I, I think she's I, I'm I'm on team to Pring now, and I think she was very very mean about it. So I'm nominating Deb from afar. That's fair. Uh, Sarah. Uh, Sarah? 
Uh, 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 oh, echo. Echo, 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 echo. Um, um, I'm sorry, I'm Lindsay, sorry, but it's you. you. I am um, shocked and appalled. Or that is, have I, uh, this episode did not deserve that low score and it did not deserve uh, just your raining on its parade, quite frankly. So, yeah, it's definitely you. Yeah, I'll take that one on the chin. Adam? Oh, as a newbie to the podcast, uh, I'm not sure how to vote, if I'm completely honest, so I'm just going to nominate Suki because he's not here to defend himself <laughs> for that reason and that reason alone. That's it. Oh, I love it. Um, well, I was going to nominate Suki because he was rude and he interrupted my flow. But then we would have a draw, and that seems really harsh. Um, so I'm going to vote for Deb because Deb regularly starts campaigns to make me uh, richer, which has also resulted in a draw, but Deb's not here and isn't editing this podcast, so it's fine. How would you like to kill Suki? No, no, Deb and or myself. I think Deb is going to be denied all access to Jason Isaacs related con like content and she'll just wither away. <laughs> she'll not function. <laughs> That seems fair. Uh, would you like to tell me how you're going to dispose of my body, or you know? Mm, what should we do? We are going to leave you uh, on an asteroid with season one Neelix. <laughs> oh, that's a bit harsh, Sarah. There... And you will probably just launch yourself off it into space after a bit. I suspect I might commit Neelix side before I do that, but you never know. You never know. Okay, thank you. I shall bear that in mind before I say anything controversial in the future. Uh, thank you so much all for joining me. It has been an absolute delight. It's always a joy to talk Star Trek with you guys, and I look forward to doing so again in our future. Um, so it's goodbye from me and goodbye from everybody else. <laughs> Bye. 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 All hail the king. The king. The king. What the hell? An entity has somehow trapped our ship. That's disappointing. And turned the crew into characters from the children's book. The book. They should have made you the hero. Until we undo all of this. Kneel before me. Yes, of course. We are stuck here. If you should fall in battle, I will sing an epic song. Great. Happy Picard Day. This is a song that explains how I feel about my captain. I've searched the earth and the heavens above For the one thing I want in my quest for true love I've just one desire and it isn't so hard Won't you find me a man just like Jean-Luc Picard He's dashing and charming and looks good in red With a disarming smile and the shiniest head So as we prepare for our very first date I'll comb my hair and he'll polish his pate Singing fa la 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 Fa la 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 
We'll dine in ten forward on replicant quail. He'll get me tipsy on Romulan ale. And as the night ends, we'll retire to my quarters. Where I'll make us both tea and obey captain's orders. Fa la 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 la. Fa la 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 la. Time quickly passes, and before I know, he pops the question, I say, make it so. There's a holodeck wedding with bridesmaids and ushers. Fabulous. So, next stage for us is we shall do lights out of five, and then we shall elect a red shirt. Um, Adam, this is an honorary tradition whereby if there are four or more of us on the show, we get to select who was the worst host or the most egregious person in general and then choose how we're going to kill them off. Because okay. <laughs> we're friendly like that. <laughs> um, I, I will gently suggest we don't usually select the guest unless they are particularly egregious. So you're... Um, well, so like already voted. So we've also had people's pets be nominated for interrupting proceedings and took <laughs> <laughs> his wife one last week for bringing him apple pie and not bringing us apple pie like, you know we're, we're, we're quite we're occasionally vicious but mostly not <laughs> <laughs>